Hello, and welcome to the Good Fundraising Podcast, where we bring together nonprofit thought leaders and change makers to talk about what's good in the world of fundraising and what could be better. I'm your host, Alicia Mullenstein. Thanks for joining me today. Today, I'm speaking with Lauren Gray, Senior Director, Global Corporate Partnerships at the International Rescue Committee. Lauren shares her many years of corporate fundraising expertise with us to talk about why corporate fundraising is really one of the most complex and perhaps misunderstood areas of fundraising. Here's everything you need to know about the kind of team and considerations before launching your corporate fundraising program. And before we get to the interview, here's your last reminder that we have one more episode of 2020 and one more episode for this first season of the Good Fundraising Podcast coming up. I hope you'll join us before the end of the month to hear all the things that we should keep from 2020 and what we should leave behind for our sector. Okay, on to the conversation with Lauren. I want to thank you for joining me today to talk about corporate giving and a little bit of corporate corporate partnerships 101 for me. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. And I will say full disclosure that you and I have worked together in the past, mm-hmm. uh, albeit briefly, but that is how we got to know one another. Yes, exactly. Nice to be so, back on the same uh, wavelength, so to speak. <laughs> it's nice to talk with you too, especially when we can't you know, catch up in person. Yeah. So. Someday. Someday it'll happen again. Uh, so, Lauren, I, you have a, a really extensive background in corporate partnerships. You've been at the International Rescue Committee for 12 years now. Currently, you're the senior director there on that program. And before that, you were working in public broadcasting and the arts. So, I would love to hear from your perspective a little bit about the evolution of corporate partnerships and corporate giving for nonprofits. Yeah. It's a very interesting field to be a part of for so long. I started in 2004 when I moved to New York and I was working at the Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum. It was, as you might expect, a majority of focus on sponsorship for exhibitions, which was very much focused on what can the museum provide a company while aligning with their brand. It was a great jumping off point for me. I had just come to New York from business school where I realized that I love business and I also love working in nonprofits. And particularly at the time I was studying the arts organizations and the management of arts organizations. So being able to work in the Smithsonian, which Cooper Hewitt is a part of, was an amazing first step outside after my master's program. You know, the evolution from there, for me, tended to mirror, in a sense, the corporate sector and corporate partnerships with nonprofits, the trajectory of those. And the similarities kind of struck me as I was um, preparing for our conversation today and the way that corporate partnerships have developed, have become much more um values-based and shared value is a term that I'm sure I'll say again during this conversation. And it's become more common lexicon within the field in general. And there was a big turning point in 2009 when the recession hit. What we experienced then was a lot of companies pulling back on their traditional philanthropy with the aim to kind of retrench and rethink what their strategies are. So in a way, I actually really respected the opportunity that a lot of companies gave themselves during that 
very difficult time to think about what they wanted the future of their corporate philanthropy, corp CSR, um, so corporate social responsibility. And I think it has been a very interesting period since then, where by and large, we've seen companies wanting to really align themselves with their nonprofit partners in a variety of ways. Um, it's a much more sophisticated field than I think it was when I first started. So it's been interesting and fun ride to be on this track within the fundraising field and have all of the experiences that I've had the opportunity to have, either in the arts or with IRC. It's so interesting that 2009 was an inflection point with the recession. It feels like a thousand years ago, but it, it makes me wonder and I think we'll get to this a little bit later, but what it will mean now for the mm -hmm. evolution of these partnerships. And we've had a couple of conversations on the podcast with groups who are talking about how, you know, major gifts is evolving now out of necessity, right? Events right. have evolved enormously mm -hmm. just out of pure necessity. And it, it's interesting that now, you know, you reference that with corporate partnerships, yet another part of philanthropy that had a big shakeup. Yeah. when yeah. world events turn. So it, it does make you think what's, what is coming next. Um, you, you know, I think when I think of partnerships or when a lot of people who aren't directly in your line of work think of partnerships, we think of the big, flashy, maybe established ones, the mm -hmm. Amex and No Kid Hungry, the Subaru Share the Love mm -hmm. uh, World Food Program with their feed bag. But, you know, they these things take a lot of different shapes and forms. You mentioned art sponsorship as one that, oh yeah, of course, there's yet another form of corporate partnerships that, mm -hmm. that it can look like. And I'm just curious, you know, with all these different forms and you know, the big flashy ones being what's in our notice, the one that gets advertised, what are some of the other big misconceptions about corporate giving? And, you know, which are the misconceptions you think that nonprofits in particular have about these partnerships? Yeah, yeah. I think for nonprofits, those who don't have deep corporate partnerships or just embarking or thinking about whether or not they really want to incorporate corporate giving into their overall development strategy, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's easy. <laughs> um, and I say that with a little cheek, but I've had a lot of experience where I've had lots of conversations about how companies have lots of money and they want to give it away. And, um, <laughs> and I, so that's always fun for me to have that conversation because it actually opens the door to have a much deeper dialogue with my colleagues about what a corporate partnership can do and bring to an organization, but also what's expected in return. It is not a one-way conversation or path that exists here, which I think is if you're not working day in and day out on a corporate partnership, it's easy to either not know that or, you know, forget. So I think from the nonprofit side, that's probably the most common misconception that I run into across the board. Yeah, we all think the other areas have an easier job fundraising, yeah. right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So, I mean, what, what does a successful partnership look like? What, what are some of the behind the scenes things? It's, it's clearly not companies just coming and offering buckets of money. There's a lot of work going on mm -hmm. there. Yeah. For me, I kind of measure the success of a corporate partnership in a few different ways, but primarily it's longevity 
and the shared value that the partnership brings to the company and the nonprofit. For me and my team, we're really looking for corporate partners that we can see ourselves working with for years. I think the, that by and large, when we're examples building a successful earlier, partnership, know, it is truly about understanding it's, each other's you know, it's priorities. It's not exactly in stakeholders are the nonprofit where sides. I work at the International and Rescue Committee. It's setting, not, that's very those clear aren't exactly in our wheelhouse yet. Establishing a really firm you know, an element of, of trust corporate partnerships because that the dialogue that happens had with our partners amazing and over the course of a partnership, that the trust really level that exists um, between the nonprofit and the company, I think that that to me is what can make or break a partnership. You know, everything else that comes from that, that is a little bit more visible, the PR opportunities or program funding and event sponsorship, that all stems, in my opinion, from a solid, firm grounding of trust. And you build that trust through some of these mechanisms of either, you know, programmatic support or showing that we have the ability and the desire to kind of get in the trenches with our corporate partners and solve problems together. Those actions build a level of trust and understanding and dialogue that can really catapult or um, ensure a long-term partnership. So what what are some of the issues that would come up? You, you mentioned that trust and, and building that trust. Are we talking about things like basic use of funds, but also how the relationship is leveraged that, you know, everyone's coming to the table with intent. This isn't, you know, like a whitewashing mm -hmm. type of donation. Is that what you're referring to? I think that that's definitely something that we look for. If it feels like a whitewashing scenario, or if it feels like it's a very transactional partnership, it's very important to be fully aware of that. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're not going to enter the partnership, but I think what the expectations are for the partnership should be varied. Um, if you decide to enter into a more transactional relationship, it might not have the longevity that you're seeking to build with some of your other partners. I think that some of the issues that can arise are, you know, <laughs> I could probably give you a list of 20 and then there's things that I could never think of that would pop up. But, you know, by and large, it can be PR issues that are unexpected or expected that you can plan for. So PR issues can pop up, programmatic hurdles that might change the nature of a partnership. Those conversations that we have with partners about changes in programs and needs, especially from IRC's perspective, working at a humanitarian organization where our program colleagues who are implementing the work live and work in situations that change frequently. And so while we are building long-term partnerships, we are also cognizant that the need for flexibility and change within those partnerships is an imperative for us. So that's why that level of trust and partnership is so important. Those conversations are pretty much inevitable, mm -hmm. just based on the nature of the work that we do. Taking the journey with our partners and being in lockstep with them in part leads to the success of our partnerships. Now that makes a ton of sense. And you're certainly working in a sector where 
there's a thousand unforeseen things that can happen, mm -hmm. uh, certainly on the program side or just being able to actually operate in a country at times as well. So that could, I can imagine that could radically change the scope of what a partner may have been attracted to originally yeah. versus what is actually yeah. um, able to be done. I mean, COVID is a perfect example of, of this where the entire world changed in the course of weeks. And in an interesting twist, our um, corporate partners were actually experiencing the ramifications and the impact of the coronavirus before many of our overseas programs were. In a way, it led to this heightened level of empathy and understanding with our corporate partners, because they already understood exactly what we needed to plan for in our programs overseas. And a lot came from the immediate acknowledgement that the environment that our programs are implemented in and the people who we're serving and supporting and, you know, empowering to take control of their lives are suddenly going to be thrust into a situation where they're on lockdown, there's a need to social distance in an environment that may not provide the ability to social distance, there's a lack of medical supplies, you know, it varies based off of the country, but having a baseline understanding of what our clients and staff are facing immediately jumped over a lot of the difficult nature of a conversation from our corporate partners and went straight to um, what can we do to make sure that IRC, your colleagues and the people who you're working with are safe? Is there something we need to do to pivot within the programs that we're already supporting? What do you need? And that is so hopeful. a really great place to start. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, in this moment, I think we'll take all the silver linings we can get. Exactly. Um, that's, that's great. And yeah, what a moment to have it really be reflected that these are the things we're preparing for as your partners are having to overhaul their entire business operations. Mm -hmm. You know, you probably had extra challenges as well, depending on what line of work they were in, restaurant, yeah. restaurant chains. Um, you know, any, anyone in the food world clearly saw their world radically overhauled. So yeah, that's an interesting wake up moment, isn't it? For, uh, mm -hmm. for those partnerships. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, what, what do you think most corporate partners want in their partnerships with a nonprofit? You, you mentioned that sort of reframing moment post-recession, what sort of relationships are they, are they looking for and you know, are these, are they also looking to build these authentic relationships? I think so. I think that at the very least, it has to make sense. What I saw decrease after 2009 was kind of a carte blanche around supporting every nonprofit that either leadership wanted to support or through application process. It wasn't very defined what kind of nonprofit a company wanted to support. What I think has grown from that period of a rethinking about what makes sense for a company, it has to align with corporate values. And then the partnership has to align with what the company can bring to the table in a variety of ways, coupled with who are the true stakeholders for the company. Yeah, and that, that probably what, 
goes back what to is, the, does it feel like an authentic relationship? Can you see these or what are they working together? And it doesn't make you scratch your head. Yeah, so they're exactly. That, that makes total sense. And how is, how is employee so giving back? That's a very, it's a very broad answer, but how from there, see themselves you can kind of extrapolate you know, how they see their core values because employee activism is something that you know, clearly has been growing in a lot of different You can extrapolate from as you see, from these broad tendencies and focus areas more vocal to about a very conditions and, specific you know, equity concrete their partnership yeah, that makes sense. I think that's actually, is still a, for me, a working at IRC, we have an opportunity to a lot of companies that we work with are communicating to many us companies that their employees different are kinds of stakeholders and those Based are the of people that they are really responding to and focusing on priorities csr strategy so or philanthropy strategy that gives us a lot of leeway and a lot of more the different focus, kinds of conversations especially that we for can have our tech with partners companies. And and um, for other companies, as but also, they yeah. incorporate more and more technology, I was just going to say, but ultimately it comes down to the, kind of the characteristics of, of who a company, company is, and um, that does come with certain expectations on the part of was, especially when so it comes naturally, to, employees uh, tend to get know, the more hiring lots of engineers within the company. And, Tech. And I think it's also kind of a generational you know, change focus for everybody, <laughs> for um, corporate America, companies outside of the United States, um, to some extent, you know, it, it is definitely a trend that we've seen. And what's great is that that's been an area of investment for us, one that made complete sense for me to invest in. So now we actually have two members of my team that are focused on employee engagement and they're working across the entire span of the corporate portfolio that we have. So they're not just working with our tech companies, but they are also in conversations with our financial sector partners, our pharmaceutical and health partners. And that's been a really interesting shift in the mindset of many of my team members in terms of making sure that employee engagement is an essential part of your conversation with a company. Well, that's interesting. From the direct marketing perspective, the employee giving often starts and stops with filling out those forms in mm -hmm. benevity and making sure that they're entered and doing the acknowledgement. But there's a lot more behind the scenes for work to engage employees. Yeah. I mean, really the way that that generation of employees is expecting to be engaged. Mm -hmm. And it strengthens a partnership oftentimes if there's a real groundswell of support for an organization or even just a few very vocal people in a company. I think that goes a long way. And it's those cheerleaders for your organization that can at least get the attention of corporate leadership that is another important part of successful corporate partnerships. How else can nonprofits show their value to organizations? It, it feels like it's getting a little competitive out there. Mm -hmm. uh, nonprofits are always competing for a finite amount of dollars. And in the current environment, lots of nonprofits have seen cutbacks or layoffs and are, are probably looking for opportunities that maybe they haven't explored really before for other ways to diversify their revenue so that they're not in the same position again where there's another kind of catastrophe out there in the world. So how do maybe in particular smaller organizations without the big brand names behind them, what are ways that they can show their value to potential partners? 
I think that for smaller organizations, it becomes a very important discussion around being part of the same community that a company is a part of. And that resonates with our partners as well. We're doing work in the backyards of many of our corporate partners. So that is inevitably and fortunately a part of our conversations with them. I think that It's important to go into corporate partnerships with as clear direction and focus as you can, especially if you're not sure or if your organization is new to corporate partnerships, because they require a significant amount of work. Nothing is easy in fundraising, but I would say that because of the nature of corporate partnerships, You have so many more stakeholders to work with or make sure that they are supportive of your organization. It's not as direct a conversation as, say, foundations or major giving or even marketing is. It is sometimes a bit of a hunt to figure out who the, not just who the stakeholders are in the company, but also who the decision makers are especially if you're working with a company that is just embarking on their CSR journey or developing a CSR strategy because they're figuring it out too. That's a great point. It's not just the nonprofits. You have to be ready to support the relationships, but you could also be in a situation with a corporate partner who hasn't really engaged in this before and is figuring it out too. Exactly. And I've been lucky to lead a team where We have had the capacity to really be patient and try an experiment with a company and kind of go on that journey with them. But it's not a light lift. You know, as development professionals, you're always weighing your time spent. And I'm not one to say there needs to be immediate clear ROI because sometimes, especially with new corporate partners, you have to really have lots of conversations and lots of discussion. And it might take some time to really build a clear directive and a clear next step for a partnership. On average, it takes 18 months to bring in a brand new corporate partner. Oh, wow. That's like a major gifts relationship. Exactly. And and it can be spurred and shortened a bit by crises or big life-changing newsworthy moments where it's very clear that the organization is fully aligned with that moment, which is great because then you have the ability to have a much deeper conversation with the company. But if you're trying to build a long-term partnership, you're still looking at a significant amount of time to build that partnership. Even if it kind of starts off with an immediate alignment, it takes time and a willingness on both parties to put the work in to build a longer term relationship. You know, there's a lot of relationship building that goes into this. You have a team of 22 who has helped support that. What's the other infrastructure that you need either in the larger development department to support those initiatives or even within the organization overall, from infrastructure to leadership, you know, what, what should a nonprofit be thinking about building to support a corporate giving partnership? So everything you could think 
that goes into a successful corporate partnership most likely touches on another area of work that your colleagues are doing. So for example, one I of the reasons that we know each other is because my team having a relationship with the marketing team was not a nice to have. It was essential. It's essential to be able to present ideas and avenues of opportunity to a corporate partner. We work constantly with our program colleagues, thinking about new ways, like how can we work together with a company to solve an issue that our program colleagues have and could use some outside thinkers or resources. And it pretty much goes on from there. Our communications colleagues are important partners. I think that the other avenue of this is looking towards leadership. Our leadership, fortunately, has a lot invested in corporate partnerships and sees the value in them. And so having the ability to connect our leadership and bring them and have a conversation at that level with our corporate partners can really spur some exciting movement ideas and next steps and just some general ability to be thought leaders together. I can't really think of a department that we're not working with within the organization. That also adds to <laughs> circle back to what I was saying earlier. It can be a significant amount of work and resources that are dedicated towards a corporate partnership. That means that seeing and understanding and wanting the value that a multifaceted partnership can bring to an organization is critical. Well, I would say that an organization that successfully embarks on corporate partnerships sees the entire spectrum of what a corporate partnership can bring to the table. It is financial, but it's also expertise. It's operational partnerships. It's cause and visibility and brand visibility. There's so many aspects to a corporate partnership that can add value to an organization. So that's one thing that I would highly encourage is recognize within an organization, in addition to the financial resources that a corporate partnership can bring to the table. That's, that's incredibly helpful. Um, and before I let you go, I would love to just ask, are there any favorite corporate partnerships that either you've had a chance to work on or that you've noticed from around the sector that you look at and you think that they're either really exceptional examples of things being well done or they were just really fun and novel? I think, well, one organization that I've learned a bit more about recently is the Movember organization. I think what they're doing with companies is so great because their model can naturally fit within an employee engagement corporate model. That to me has been really interesting and exciting to see as an example of corporate partnerships being built into an organization's strategy. Those partners are aligned on mission and an engagement at a level that is very strategic. That's been fun for me to hear more about recently. Uh, one of the partners that I'm very proud of and just excited to see where it goes is the IRC's partnership with Airbnb. We started a four-year partnership with them on the heels of the travel ban in January of 2017. 
that was a partnership that came after well over a year of conversations and thinking together and trying new things together. And it's a great example of like our building a relationship. And then when the moment was right, embarking on a strategic vision together. The what benefit and what we've been able to do over the past three to four years has been oh, just a great really Thanks for sharing exciting. That and mm-hmm. I think um, so I lied. I actually one other really does a great job of yeah, showcasing how it, and you may or may not we can successfully work with companies kind of, and meet do you notice a difference the in imperative and either in the expectation mission or, of the company while uh, also how they're executed meeting in the mission US of the IRC and versus supporting you know, markets our outside the US or companies that and are based outside the US clients in ways I that are I think what's been interesting very is much needed and corporate partnerships outside of the United States we're getting resources to drive around employee what engagement in, in a lot of ways. What the, you, what the past four years have really to brought to get the, in the trenches to this partnership very quickly. And creativity and especially with companies that an have ability been to working in the areas solve IRC work or are quickly expanding um, their presence in those areas. There's a an immediate the capacity alignment. to work together. And in so I think it really, think in a way, is not that just different. To, me, to for, be quite honest, I'm thinking mostly right now like about really speak European to companies. I think that it could be worthwhile exploring more of the corporate partnerships with companies that are based in Africa, Asia, South America, because. I would I would imagine that there are, are a lot of similarities and also a lot of differences. But from what I've been able to see so far, there's a desire from companies, at least in the field where IRC finds itself most frequently, which is a focus on supporting refugees. And in this case, supporting refugees by hiring refugees. I think that there is a tendency towards companies to seek to hire refugees. And, and that is how they would like to address the refugee crisis. So I think it's it's definitely a topic to explore more. Maybe maybe in the future I can come back and, and speak more to that. But I think right now there are many, many similarities and from my experience across Europe and the US. And I think it'll be interesting to continue to grow our global footprint and corporate partnerships. I think IRC is in a good spot to really develop some very interesting partners. It makes total sense that, you know, companies moving into a market for their work are getting to know the landscape, getting to know the situations on the ground. So, you know, like in emerging markets or host communities in the refugee context of hiring refugees at the host communities, when there's a more personal view of the work, it's kind of like what we see with food banks you know, and your local bank, that there's a more natural relationship because there's a direct tie to the community. It's just on a slightly bigger scale. Exactly. And community is so important. I think that it's become a, another a renewed area of focus, I should say. Global branding is obviously still important, but branding and support on a local level is as critical. What I think we've been able to do well is provide partnerships at both the global and local level. That seems to be another sweet spot that we're able to hit to build a partnership. 
Well, Lauren, this is super interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with me and with everyone who's going to get the opportunity to listen. Uh, I always learn something when I speak with you in, in particular, and it's, it's such a different part of the work from where I've been. I always find it fascinating. So thanks for taking the time out of a very busy moment when we're all really exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's fun to step back and talk about the work like this and you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation about it. Thanks again for joining me today for our conversation with Lauren Gray of the International Rescue Committee. And if you have enjoyed the Good Fundraising Podcast over these last few very irregular months, please recommend us to a friend. Consider subscribing at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, if you have an idea for our season two content, please drop me an email at hello at goodfundraising.net. Until next time for our last episode of 2020 season one, thanks so much for listening. Keep being nice and doing good.